the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Inspiration. I can do anything. Education. Let's do this. And application. Oh, boy, this is going to be good. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Keeping us out of the water hazard with some truth therapy and teeing up solutions for today's big issues, here's your life caddy, Mr. Scott B. Black. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Yep, and we're getting ready to start soon, right? Welcome, are, you there? are we live? Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, application. My apologies, a uh, little technical delay here, but I am black. And we are back to being under construction. You know, I love the radio. There's a lot of stuff I do that makes a huge impact around the world. Uh, But one of my favorite things I get to do is I get to be on the radio. And I love sharing because you never know if I'm reaching hundreds of thousands or millions. But I know uh, I'm reaching people from all walks of life, from all income levels, uh, all over the place. And today on Like It Matters Radio, I want to talk about change. You know, one of the constants in life is change. And if your sign is under construction, then change is part of the process. You know, we all need to embrace the understanding. Okay. All right. Sorry about the ladies and gentlemen. Not sure what's going on, but uh, today we're going to talk about change. As a matter of fact, uh, boy, am I dealing with a lot of change right now. Huh? A lot of things going on. I'm not sure what's happening, but the prince of the power of the air is pretty strong. Today, I want to talk about change, constant, never-ending improvement, being under construction. That's what we're about. The one thing constant in life is change. Uh, And today, I want to suggest that we can make change easier. So many of us uh, have what I call unforced errors. We have things that are going on that are our fault, that don't need to be going on. And so today, I I want to keep it simple, soldier. You know, I believe confusion is the number one weapon formed against us. And the enemy sure likes to use confusion because when we're confused, we don't step up, we don't speak up, we don't act out, uh, we don't do what we're supposed to do because we want to fit in uh, and we want to get along. And so today I want to address this thing called change. You know, I talk about requisite variety. It's a law. The law of requisite variety says this, an element in a system with the most flexibility has the most power, has the most control. And I really believe as a leader that we are called to be that element with the most flexibility. And that means the ability to change. Leaders are fluid. Leaders can pivot. Uh, Matter of fact, I believe a lot the downfall for many leaders is they can't change. They can't adapt. 
they can't learn from what's going on in live time, in real time, uh, and then just on the fly. And that's one of the things that my leadership training at likeitmatters.net allows people to do. It's situational leadership. allows them to think on their feet, allows them to uh, figure out who they are and why they're here, and then the hows change. See, when you know who you are and why you're here, then what to do is a lot easier. That's the key. And so today I'm going to be referencing a book. I just found a book, great book. It was written about, uh, I think, four or five years ago. Uh, it was a uh, number one New York Times bestseller. It's called Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits. It uh, says, Tiny Changes, Remarkable Results. An easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. And I'm going to share a story uh, from this book. And the author is James Clear. And uh, the book I'm holding says over 4 million copies sold. So we'll see. But uh, this is a story he talks about in the book. It says how to make good habits inevitable and bad habits impossible. He says in the summer of 1830, Victor Hugo was facing an impossible deadline, 12 Deadline. Twelve months earlier, the French author had promised his publisher a new book. But instead of writing, he spent the year pursuing other projects, entertaining guests, and delaying his work. Frustrated, Hugo's publisher responded by setting a deadline less than six months away. The book had to be finished by February 1931. Now, Hugo concocted a strange plan to beat his procrastination. What he did is he collected all his clothes and asked an assistant to lock them away in a large chest. He was left with nothing to wear except a large shawl. Lacking any suitable clothing to go outdoors, he remained in his study and wrote furiously during the fall and winter of 1830. The Hunchback of Notre Dame was published two weeks early on January 14th. 1831. And in the book, James Clare goes on to say, sometimes success is less about making good habits easy and more about making bad habits hard. This is an inversion of the third law of behavior change. Make it difficult. If you find yourself continually struggling to follow through on your plans, then you can take a page from Victor Hugo and make your bad habits more difficult by creating what psychologists call a commitment device. A commitment device is a choice you make in the present that controls your actions in the future. It's a way to lock in future behavior, blind you to good habits, and restrict you from bad ones. When Victor Hugo shut his clothes away so he could focus on writing, he was creating a commitment device. And commitment devices increase the odds that you'll do the right thing in the future by making bad habits difficult in the present. However, we can do even better. We can make good habits inevitable and bad habits impossible. See, what I like about this book, it's, it's about conscious. It's about being conscious. See, ladies and gentlemen, you need to understand that man is a three-part being. I, I mean, if you're in the computer business, you know computers. If you're in the car business, you know cars. If you're in the radio business, right, you should know the radio, right? Don't you get it? We're all in the people business. And when two people fall in love and they get married and they come together, they create a little people, right? And when we look in the mirror, we see a people. And you hear people all the time, look what they're doing to my people, my people. Don't you hear? We're all in the people business. 
And if we're in the people business, you should know how people work. And since you are a people and I am a people, if we want to be the best people we can be, then we should know how people work. And people are a three-part structure. We have a body that's a machine. And today I'll tell you a little bit how the body works because it's a machine and it creates experience based on certain things we do. And then we have a mind that runs that body and the battles in the mind. Remember Dr. Viktor Frankl between the stimulus. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. Hopefully you can hear me now. Apologize for the technical delays. I don't know what's going on today, but uh, we're going to keep moving. Leaders are flexible. Leaders are fluid. And even when the prince of the power of the air doesn't want to play along, uh, too bad. Uh, We're going to keep doing what we do. But today we're talking about making change easy. You know, ladies and gentlemen, as I was saying before we got disconnected, before the break, man's a three-part being. Uh, We have a body. It's a machine. The Bible calls it a temple. It's a tabernacle. It's a tent. It's a temporary dwelling place. But it is a piece of equipment. And like all pieces of equipment, you know, I just had to chop down my tree in the front yard. Had this big old, uh, I don't know what it is, cottonwood or something. Uh, And it's been dying over the last couple of years. Big tree, probably 20 feet tall, maybe 30 feet tall. Uh, And it was dying. It's very clear it was dying. Uh, and the neighbors that said something, man, you're going to have to take that down. At some point, you're going to get a bad storm, and it's going to fall, and it's going to you know, ruin a house or ruin a car or something. And so I uh, didn't have the money to do it, so I've never ran a chainsaw or anything like that. So I figured, you know, I'll get a couple friends. I had my son, Christian, get a whole bunch of friends together, and uh, about six of us, and uh, went and bought a chainsaw and took about 30 minutes to figure out how to start the thing and never used a chainsaw. And I got a 16, Ryobi 16-inch chainsaw chopping this big tree and people are laughing. I got young people on ropes pulling on big old levers up in 20 feet in the air. Uh, And, you know, it it took me a long time. It took us three hours to get that tree down. Uh, Nobody got hurt and nothing was destroyed. And we got a a log, probably a good thousand pounds on our front lawn that I have not lifted up yet. Why? Because the chainsaw broke. The chainsaw broke before we could even cut down the tree the whole way. And then I got another chainsaw, Ryobi, uh, and went back the next day and it made two cuts and the chainsaw broke. <clears throat> My point being, boy, if I actually knew how to use a chainsaw and I knew what I was doing, uh, I could have got that tree down in half the time. It could be off my lawn. And, and that's in life what happens. We make things a lot harder on ourselves than we should because we don't know how things work, the machinations, uh, the, the, the way they connect. See, that's what the word vision means. Vision's the ability to see in the future. Vision's the ability to see how things connect. And so you got to learn about the body, how the body works, the machinations, and how we create experience and, you know, physiology. I mean, do you realize that changing your breathing changes the chemicals your body releasing? Do you realize changing your physiology changes the bodies, your chemical, I mean, the chemicals your body's releasing? And those chemicals make us feel turned on, turned off, excited, depressed. I think there's 63 known chemicals the body releases. That's the study of epigenetics. Epigenetics says we're a, um, a community of 300 trillion cells, all driven by our environment. And what I create in my classroom is an environment that is conducive to change. I create an environment 
uh, that is conducing to lasting change, that's conducive to lasting change. I create an environment that people can establish trust, and with trust comes commitment, and they can open up, and they can create some desire because a lot of people stopped wanting things a long time ago. See, life is an undulating line. It has peaks and it has valleys. It's the Life is what you see when you go to an emergency room and you check in and you tell them you're having chest pains and they hook you up to an electrocardiogram machine and you see the rise and the fall, the systolic and the diastolic. That is what life is. It has highs and lows, has peaks and valleys. It is an undulating line. And the problem is a lot of people stop dreaming. You know why? Because they've been disappointed. Because they believe this stupid quote that expectations are the seeds of disappointment. And so you don't expect things anymore. See, that's what we've done to the whole black community now. All these racists out there, all these uh, people who were racist, who think everybody else is racist, they've now created no level of anything for black people. So black people can do any, everything they do is justified. If they want to act like animals, if they want to steal stuff, if they want to beat someone up, if they want to attack someone. Why? Because they're a victim. Because black people are treated unfairly and everything's going against black people and so they're a victim. And so you can now have no expectation. Matter of fact, expectations now are called white privilege. Expectations now are called racism. If you expect someone to speak English, well, that's white privilege. That's not how black people talk. If you expect people to treat people kindly, well, that's uh, that's culturalism. Uh, we, we, we're a different culture. It's silly. And so now there's no expectations. And so whatever a person of color does, everything's justified. Everything's okay. And anything that ever goes wrong uh, is because they're black. And so the problem is if every problem in my life is based on everybody else, I never grow. I never get better. I never have to question myself. I never have to self-analyze. I never have to uh, say I'm sorry. I never have to uh, repent. In other words, change my mind, change my direction. That's what the word repent means. It means to turn. It means to change your direction, change your mind. You got to know what words mean. And so... You know, life is an undulating line. Undulating line has highs and lows, but people stop dreaming. People stop expecting things. They've been disappointed. They've dreamed before and didn't act upon it, or someone made some commitments to them and they didn't follow through on it. So they're just disappointed, and so they stop dreaming. And then people have been hurt so bad that they don't, they don't want to feel anymore. They shut off the pain. They self-medicate. They do drugs and alcohol, and promiscuity, pornography. Uh, some do it at the gym. Some do it with church. Some do it with food. We self-medicate, and we numb ourselves. And so we don't go too low anymore. So we don't go too high. We don't go too low. Uh, and be careful what you ask for. Because if you're ever hooked up to an EKG machine, unless there's a technical error, you will never see a flat line. You know why? Because you're dead. Stick a fork in it. And see, you got to realize how we work. What things we do the body that kills it. What things we do the body that energizes it. And then the mind. Remember, the mind runs the body. And so the battle is in the mind. That's what Romans 12, 2 is all about. To transform your thinking. To not think the way of this world. To think differently. We're told to put on the mind of Christ. We are told as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We are told to only focus on those things that are good and pure. We are told to hold your thoughts captive. Don't you hear it? God's saying, guard your heart. Because all the issues of life stem from it. In other words, be careful what you allow in your head. 
Be careful what you hold on to your head. Be careful of keeping a pound of flesh, a record or wrong. God says forgive. And there's reasons for it. There's medical reasons. There's spiritual reasons. There's psychological reasons. There's sociological reasons. There's theological reasons. There's physiological reasons to forget, to forgive, to turn the other cheek. And so you got to realize that that's not all man is. Man's not just a body and man's not just a mind. There's a third part to man, and that is the spiritual component. And whether you believe in the God of the Bible or the God of the gods, there's millions of gods in Hinduism, or Allah, the God of Islam, you might not believe in any of those. But you've got to believe that you're part of a bigger system, and that you're a pawn in a bigger game, that you're a piece of the larger puzzle. No man is an island, a rock unto himself. We're all part of the larger continent. And so you must deal with that spiritual component as well. And that's what I do. And so what I do in my classroom is I create an environment. And this environment's really important because you've got to program things around you so that you can be successful. You've got to set yourself up to succeed. Success is a habit. Failure is a habit. And that's why today I want to reference the book Atomic Habits. But before I do that, I like to reference all the science and bring it all together. I actually believe in following the science, not the political science like our, our government elected officials. They want you to follow the political science. They want you to believe their narrative. They want you to tote their line. They want you to believe their propaganda. But that's not what I'm talking about. There's a book uh, by Shad Helmster. I talk about it all the time called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. And why I bring up Shad Helmstetter's book, because in years of Shad Helmstetter studying motivation, human psychology, uh, motivational concept, he learned a lot of things. He talked to trainers, participants, successful ones, not successful ones. And here's what he figured out. He figured out that there's three missing ingredients from all this literature and trainings that must be there. He says the second ingredient missing from most successful literature is a knowledge of the physiological process of the human brain based on what we now know about actual mind-brain functions. And he goes on to say, without understanding the actual process by which the human brain accepts information, which he calls programming, and in turn responds, directs, and controls us, it would be difficult or impossible to create any success plan that worked and kept working definitely. He says the brain runs a ship. If you want to make a permanent change of any kind, you've got to follow the rules, and you've got to do it the way the brain works. He says the third missing ingredient And he says the most important of all is the new word-for-word set of directions because our words are programming. He calls it new programming, the subconscious mind, the control center of the brain. That means the specific programming vocabulary, which is worded in a specific way that anyone can use at any time to erase, replace the old negative programming with positive new directions. That's why I teach all this. But let me tell you what he says the first missing ingredient is. The first missing ingredient is permanence. All external solutions are temporary. Even the best of ideas work only for a time. Without constant attention and effort, even the most exciting success breakthroughs run their course and eventually end up on our list of good ideas and good intentions. Few, if any, offered built-in ways to keep them working. I've yet to find a book that would jump down off the shelf and tap you on the shoulder each morning and say, Hey, remember me? Remember what I taught you? Why aren't you still doing that? And see, ladies and gentlemen, that's why you've got to program it. Success is a habit. And one thing we got to realize is how do we make good habits inevitable and bad habits impossible? And this is the whole premise of the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. 
And today we're talking about that. How do we make change easy? Because, ladies and gentlemen, we have a lot of unforced errors. There's a lot of necessary pain in our lives that we need to go through. But there's a lot of unnecessary pain that we put ourselves through that we don't need to because of the habits we have. And how do we make good habits inevitable and bad habits impossible? Well, after the break, we'll go further into that. I'm Black. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am black, and we are back. And today, we are talking about making change easier. You know, everything's changing around us. The day we're born, we are one day closer to death, if you think about that. Each day we live, we are closer to the return of Jesus Christ, right? We're never as close as we are today, and hopefully we're a lot closer than we've ever been, I pray, right? You got my point. Everything's changing all around us. Think about kids, the pain of growing up. And I'm not talking about psychological pain, Mal. I'm talking physical pain, leg pains and toothaches, you know, teeth fall out and new teeth come in, wisdom teeth come in. You got leg pains because you're growing, you're stretching, you got, you know, all that stuff, right? This hurts, that hurts, that's uncomfortable, this uncomfortable, braces, zits, uh, you know, puberty, ah, right? <laughs> all the change, things are always changing. Women go through a change, men go through a change, right? Change, 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 ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-changing, right? Time to face the change, right? It's about change. And if change is part of the process, then we got to figure out how do we make it a habit and how do we make good change a habit, make it easier and make bad change because there's also bad change where a marriage dies, where we get stuck in our comfort zone, right? And so life's about change. So I always like to be reading. We are to be under construction. Remember, our brain is the one organ in our body that never has to deteriorate. And I've been reading the book Atomic Habits and uh, Atomic Habits. An Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones by James Clear. Over 4 million copies sold, if the book is telling the truth, the little sticker here. Uh, and it's New York Times bestseller. But I want to turn, and, and the reason I bring this up is I like to mix all the sciences, transactional analysis, cognitive behavioral therapy, multiple intelligences, neuro-linguistic programming, um, logotherapy, emotional intelligence, epigenetics. Uh, it's all science. Follow the science. And so uh, the chapter six of the book, Atomic Habits, uh, I want to bring your attention because this is something I've told you a long time, but it's approached from a different way. Chapter six says motivation is overrated. Environment often matters more. It goes on to say Anne Thorndike, a primary care physician at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston, had a crazy idea. She believed she could improve the eating habits of thousands of hospital staff and visitors without changing their willpower or motivation in the slightest way. In fact, she didn't plan on talking to them at all. Thorndike and her colleagues designed a six-month study to alter the, quote, choice architecture of the hospital cafeteria. They started by changing how drinks were arranged in the room. Originally, the refrigerators located next to the cash registers in the cafeteria were filled with only soda. The researchers added water as an option to each one. Additionally, they placed baskets of bottled water next to the food stations throughout the room. 
soda was still in the primary refrigerators, but water was also now available at all drink locations. Over the next three months, listen to the data, over the next three months, the number of soda sales at the hospital dropped by 11.4%. Meanwhile, sales of bottled water increased by 25.8%. They made similar adjustments and saw similar results with the food in the cafeteria. Nobody had said a word to anyone eating there, and yet all their behaviors changed. So it goes on to say people often choose products not because of what they are, listen to this, because of where they are. I know this, my work with Coca-Cola, with Kraft, Nabisco, now Mondelez, they'll tell you about they fight for shelf space, and certain shelf space is better than others. And that's what he's alluding to here. He says, quote, if I walk into the kitchen and see a plate of cookies on the counter, I'll pick up half a dozen and start eating. Even if I hadn't been thinking about them beforehand and didn't necessarily feel hungry, if the communal table at the office is always filled with donuts and bagels, it's going to be hard not to grab one every now and then. See, your habits change depending on the room you're in and the cues in front of you. This goes back to how we're unconscious creatures. See, a lot of this is going on the unconscious level. You're not aware of it. So he goes on to say, environment is the invisible hand that shapes human behavior. Why does that matter? Because that's the basis of epigenetics, right? Dr. James Lipton, Biology of Beliefs, the book. Talk about it all the time. Caroline Leaf's done a lot of work. That we're basically a community of 300 trillion cells all driven by our environment. We used to believe that the nucleus drove the cell. But Dr. Lipton said we're wrong. It's the cell membrane that drives the cell. And he says, um, so technically we're a community of 300 trillion cells all driven by our environment. So this is what Mr. Clear in his book Atomic Habits says. He says, quote, again, listen to the similarity. Environment is the invisible hand that shapes human behavior. Quote, despite our unique personality, certain behaviors tend to arise again and again under certain environmental conditions. That's why I say you can tell a man's religion in time of despair. When you squeeze someone, you'll know what you got. See, it goes on to say, quote, in church, people tend to talk in whispers. On a dark street, people act wary and guarded. In this way, the most common form of change is not internal, listen, but external. We are changed by the world around us. Every habit is context dependent. And you got to figure out what environments are you in. And in the book, he mentions that in 1936, psychologist Kurt Lewin wrote a simple equation that makes a powerful statement. He said, behavior is a function of the person in their environment. Isn't that powerful? Behavior is a function of the person in their environment. And it didn't take long for Lewin's equation to be tested in business. In 1952, the economist economist, (laughs) Hawkins Stern described a phenomenon he called suggestive impulse buying. Suggestion impulse buying, which is, ready for this, triggered when a shopper sees a product for the first time and visualizes a need for it. See, this is where all the stuff they teach starts making sense. We are unconscious creatures. This is about psychology, sales is psychology, relationships psychology. Having a good marriage is psychology. He goes on to say, in other words, customers will occasionally buy products not because they want them, listen, but because how they are presented to them. For example, listen, this is marketers know this. I don't know if you're aware of this, but items at eye level tend to be purchased more than those down near the floor. And so for this reason, you'll find expensive brand names featured in easy-to-reach locations on store shelves. Why? Because they drive the most profit, while cheaper alternatives are tucked away in harder-to-reach spots. The same goes for end caps. Oh, this is a big Coca-Cola. I remember this. 
end caps. You know how important those are? They are the units at the end of the aisles. End caps are money-making machines. Uh, uh, I mean, Kraft tells me that. Nabisco, I've done, I've trained probably close to 1,000 Kraft and Nabisco executives, 1,000 Coca-Cola executives, and I know this from the meetings. End caps are money-making machines for retailers because they are obvious locations that encounter a lot of foot traffic. Did you know this, by the way, that Coca-Cola, their sales – comes specifically from end-of-the-aisle racks. 45% of Coca-Cola sales come from end-of-the-aisle racks. That's stunning. Almost half their sales are for those end caps. See, the more obviously available a product or service is, the more likely you are to, quote, use it, try it, test it, whatever word you want to use. See, people drink Bud Light because it's in every bar, and they visit Starbucks because it's on every corner, We like to think that we're in control. If we choose water over soda, we assume it's because we wanted to do so. Not necessarily. The truth is that many of the actions we take each day are shaped not by purposeful drive and choice, but by the most obvious option, because we are unconscious creatures. See, every living being has its own methods for sensing and understanding the world. Think about this. Eagles have remarkable long-distance vision, right? Snakes can can smell by tasting the air, right? They're highly sensitive tongues. Sharks can detect small amounts of electricity and vibrations in the water caused by nearby fish. Even bacteria have, what is it, chemoreceptors, I think they're called, tiny sensory cells that allow them to detect toxic chemicals in their environment. Now, in humans, right, there's the word vision again. Think about this. In humans, perception is directed by sensory nervous systems. You've heard that, sensory nervous systems. And we perceive the world through sight, sound, smell, touch, and taste, right? Every single memory you ever have is stored in one or all the five senses. That's the only way you can codify experience. But we also have other ways of sensing stimuli. Some are conscious, but many are unconscious. For instance, you can notice, right? You can notice when the temperature drops before a storm or when the pain in your gut rises during a stomachache or when you fall off balance while walking on the rocking ground. See, these, quote, receptors in your body pick up on a wide range of internal stimuli, such as the amount of salt in your blood or the need to drink water when thirsty. The most powerful of all human sensory abilities, do you know, is vision. Why do you think it said a picture's worth a thousand words? The typical human being speaks 120 to 160 words per minute. You know me, I get to 180, right? One picture is the equivalent of six to eight minutes of nonstop dialogue. So the human body has about, think about this, 11 million sensory receptors, 11 million. Approximately 10 million of those are dedicated sight. Do you hear that? Of the 11 million sensory receptors, approximately 10 million of those are dedicated to sight. Some experts estimate that half of the brain's resources are used on vision. Given that we are more dependent on vision than any other sense, it should come as no surprise that visual cues are the greatest catalyst of our behavior. And for this reason, this is what the book's about. This is what the book Atomic Habits is about. For this reason, a small change in what you can see can lead to a big shift in what you do. As a result... You can imagine how important it is to live and work in environments that are filled with productive cues and devoid of unproductive cues. Thankfully, there's good news. You don't have to be the victim of your environment. You can be the architect. And this is where we want to give people hope, give control. You are the master of this. 
You're the one that makes this happen. Prepare yourself for success. We used to say in the financial planning industry that people don't plan to fail. They fail to plan. Now you need to realize the same thing. What habits are you making easy and what habits are you making hard? Are you making good habits inevitable by setting up the environment? Are you making bad habits impossible by setting up the environment? Or are you just going around doing the same thing totally unconscious? I'm calling you to a new sense of awareness. That's what we do here at Like It Matters. I'm Black. We'll be back after these commercial messages. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am black. And yes, we still have three classes remaining for this year. So if you want to end 2022 a lot better note than it started, uh, you got three opportunities to go through Leadership Awakening. October 13th through 15th, I'll be in Las Vegas. Uh, November 10th through 12th, I'll be in Dallas-Fort Worth. And then we're closing out the year December 1 through 3 in the beautiful twin cities of Minneapolis, St. Paul, uh, December 1 through 3. Uh, go to likeitmatters.net, uh, and I promise you, 48 hours, you will learn more about yourself in that 48 hours and how you work. Uh, and you will be introduced to a good environment. I create an environment uh, where we make good habits inevitable and bad habits impossible. I put you on a narrow path, but it works. I just got this testimonial, uh, what is uh, 9-3, so um, uh, September 3rd, 2022, so two weeks ago, a week ago. Uh, Dear Scott and Valerie, I hope you guys are doing well and have had a great summer. Still spreading hope and freedom across America, I have no doubt. I felt led to write you a letter of thanks. My life was truly redirected 15 months ago in a Texas hotel conference room, and I will be forever grateful for the way God used you and Like It Matters to get a hold of me, to set me free from bitterness and regret, and set me back on a course in His kingdom. A lot has happened since that, since then that I truly believe would not have been possible if, if I hadn't gone to Like It Matters Leadership Awakening. I quit my job of 14 years and have a renewed understanding of my purpose in life, which is to bring glory to God and spread his love. Right now, for me, that means being a help and support to my husband and joining him in ministry inside and outside our church and pouring in the lives of our kids to make sure they grow up with a solid foundation of loving and fearing the Lord. I've stopped making excuses and started living in the power of the Spirit, and there's nothing like it. Each day is a new opportunity to serve the Lord, His church, and my family. I don't feel overwhelmed and defeated anymore, and my husband isn't the reason for all my frustrations anymore. Thank you so much for pouring your heart, body, and soul out at every class and touching so many lives. I'm sure it gets hard, but I'm praying for you to continue to overflow with God's Spirit so you can keep it up. I and my family will be forever grateful. Love, Cherish Anderson. See, ladies and gentlemen, it's because of the environment I create. In my training, I create an environment of not accepting good enough. I create an environment of sense of urgency. 
I create an environment of being under construction. We're going to be a little bit better with everything we do. I create an environment that we're all in this together. That is 100% forward direction, no armor on the back. I create an environment where we're all committed to push as hard as we can, to reach as far as we can, to accomplish as much as we can in the 48 hours. I create an environment where people do not accept good enough, where negative behaviors are rewarded with negative outcomes and positive behaviors are, rec- are, re- uh, are recorded or credited with positive outcomes, uh, reinforcements. And so you got to realize it's all about the environment and it's all about what people see because, you know, we're should all be from Missouri, the show me state. I'll believe it when I see it. Well, some of us got that bass backwards. We might want to believe it in order to see it. And so I want to revert back to the book, Atomic Habits, a great book, highly recommended. I cannot put it down. It's by James Clear. It's called Tiny Changes, Remarkable Results, Atomic Habits, an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. I want to go back to what I had shared before the break. Uh, This is uh, Chapter 6, Motivation is Overrated, Environment Often Matters More. He says the most powerful of all human sensory abilities is vision. The human body has about 11 million sensory receptors. Approximately 10 million of those are dedicated to sight. Some experts estimate that half of the brain's resources are used on vision. Given that we are more dependent on vision than any other sense, it should come as no surprise that visual cues are the greatest catalyst of our behavior. For this reason, a small change in what you, can, what you see can lead to big shift in what you do. As a result, you can imagine how important it is to live and work in environments that are filled with productive cues and devoid of unproductive ones. Ladies and gentlemen, people are always watching. I tell you this, as a leader, you got to know you're on the big screen. People are always watching. They're watching for many reasons. I used to say people are looking for a reason why. That's absolutely wrong. People are actually looking for a reason why not. They're watching. And people, remember, neuroassociative conditioning says that there's two driving forces in life. There's the avoidance of pain and the desire for pleasure. Again, you're either moving away from something or you're moving towards something. Not wrong or right, good or bad. That's just the way it is. That's the reality of who we are as a human being. And so once you realize that, you realize that what you're doing, you are the example. Remember, leadership's a loop. You got to flex your pecs, leaders, P-E-C. When you think of leadership, think of your pecs, P-E-C, permission. What you do as a leader gives other people permission. So people should see you doing what you want them to do. E is about example, right? A picture is worth a thousand words. When Jesus walked this planet, he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. What he's saying is, listen, I'm your example. What you see me doing, you do. That's what a leader says. What you see me doing, you do. That's what Paul said. What you see me doing, I'm basically, you are my epistle. I'm writing it on your heart. What you see me doing, you do it. I'll do what I see Christ doing. You do what you see me doing. See, that's what I want to do. I want to be more like Christ because I know my little boy wants to be more like me. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're abusive, your kids are going to grow up thinking that's how you're supposed to be. Men, if you treat your wife like crap, your sons are going to see that you treat a woman like crap. 
Men, if you treat a woman of great value, men, if you're on your knees praying to God, men, if you're Sunday at church with your sons and daughters, men, if they see you for asking for forgiveness, men, if they see you using their mistakes as examples, men, if they see, don't you hear it? What you're doing speaks so loudly that people don't need to listen to a sermon you're preaching. That's why you got to know we have 11 million, 11 million sensory receptors. And approximately 10 million of those are dedicated to sight. Many experts estimate that half of the brain's resources are used to see. Think about this. What are your children seeing? What are they seeing you watch? What are they seeing you do? What are they seeing you interact? How are they seeing you treat policemen? How are they seeing you treat people of authority? How are they seeing you treat your, your, their mother or their father? What example are you given? What you're doing speaks so loudly that people don't need to listen to a word you're saying. Business owners, leaders, managers, what are your employees seeing? Don't be a hypocrite. Do as I say, not as I do. No, what you do and what you say should be congruent. That's why I love one of my favorite little sayings. And it's uh, submitted by some Emmitsburg Mayor Ed. That's what it says, Ed. I guess Ed wrote this. But I love it. Children learn from what they see. And it's called, When You Thought I Wasn't Looking. When you thought I wasn't looking... I saw you hang my first painting on the refrigerator, and I immediately wanted to paint another one. When I thought you wasn't looking, when you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you feed a stray cat, and I learned that it was good to be kind to animals. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make my favorite cake for me, and I learned that the little things can be the special things in life. When you thought I wasn't looking, I heard you say a prayer, and I knew that there's a God, and I I could always talk to him, and I learned to trust in him. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make a meal and take it to a friend who was sick, and I learned that we all have to help take care of each other. When you thought I wasn't looking, I I saw you give of your time and money to help people who had nothing, and I learned that those who have something should give to those who have nothing. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you take care of our house and everyone in it. I saw how I have to take care of what we have and what we're given. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw how you handled your responsibilities even when you didn't feel good. And I learned that I would have to be responsible when I grow up. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw tears come from your eyes and I learned that sometimes things hurt and it's okay to cry. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw that you cared and I wanted to be everything that I could be. When you thought I wasn't looking, I learned most of life's lessons that I need to know to be a good and productive person when I grow up. When you thought I wasn't looking, I looked at you, and I wanted to say thanks for all the things I saw. When you thought I wasn't looking, ladies and gentlemen, people are watching. Your kids are watching. Other people who are in need are watching. People who are lost are watching. And you could be the one person that gives them a picture of hope. The one person that gives them a reason why. The one person that they'll remember that gave them a picture when you thought that no one was looking. 
You are under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. I am Mr. Black, helping you become more hopeful about your future, reminding you, when you live your life like it matters, it does. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.